Cold Stove Podcast, live from Austin, Texas, future home of the Austin Coyotes. I got NRD in front of me, live from the Rumor Cave. Uh, did you buy your tickets yet to get to New York for Gary Bettman's office where you're supposed to watch the Stanley Cup final uh, leashed up under his desk? Uh, no, I have not yet. Um, I've been talking to Gary. He might. I'm, what I'm doing is I'm holding out for Gary to pay for the tickets because he's about to sign a five-year extension to remain as commissioner in the National Hockey League at the Ugh. next Board of Governors meeting. So I know he's about to get paid the big bucks from uh, Mr. Jacobs and the rest of the owners. So holding out for Gary to pay for my flight. Uh, is Donald Fair going to be his opponent the next five years, or is that kind of a no, kind of a done deal? They're going to find somebody else for him. Kind of ride him off into the sunset. Go to your cottage, Donald. You Correct. had a good run. Uh, what's going on with you, Honor D? Uh, welcome, welcome back to Cold Stove. Two week, no, not just a week break. We uh, basically, I was in Montana last week. Yeah, because, I mean, that's how these not a whole lot of internet go. going on. Brett, the world traveler. There's no internet where Brett goes. Um, and you know, we tried NRD solo, and that was a unmitigated disaster. <laughs> so, um, Brett's back. I'm back. I'm glad to be here, Brett. Um, we got a lot to discuss. There's a lot of pent up anger and frustration. An intrigue from the city of Philadelphia. A beautiful city, a lovely city. Uh, is it McGillan's? Is that the one of the older pubs in the in the country that I'm a big time fan of? But NRD, they have a hockey team in the Flyers that has reportedly a new head coach. That's John Tortorella. So we'll start there. As a Buffalo fan who's been uh, quite literally off the grid for the last week or so, could you take me through? the last seven to 10 days in the Flyers front office. And how did we get to where we are today with John so, Tortorella, et cetera? Yeah. So there's a lot of layers to what happened and, and why we're up to John Tortorella, you know, not a done deal yet. He's going to be in Philly tonight, tomorrow to discuss the contract, but the Flyers went ahead, offered him the job. Um, but there's a lot to get to where we are now. A lot I've teased out on Twitter. A lot I can't say. A lot I still can't say. There's a little bit more I can say today than I was able to yesterday or even the day before. Great friend of mine. Great friend of the show. I've done their podcast a couple of times. Snow the goalie down in Philly. Anthony Sanfilippo covers the Flyers for Crossing Broad. Really well plugged in with the team. He had an article today up on his website, and I encourage you all to go read it. So basically, what went down the Flyers front office is that they hired a outside search firm. Um, to help with the culture and help with hiring a candidate to head coach this team. Isn't completely uncommon in sports. It happens more um, frequently in the NFL, where there's more of an extensive coaching search that goes on in that sport than the NHL. You're not just recycling retreads um, around the league. There's a little bit more of an extensive process there in the NFL. So it's not uncommon in sports. But what makes this really peculiar in the situation of Philly is that we know that there's been some, you know, Elbow brushing between Dave Scott, the chairman of the Philadelphia Flyers, and Chuck Fletcher, the general manager. An outside firm comes in. There's a lot of pressure also internally from some of the, you know, board of directors, if you will, of the Flyers, the Bobby Clarks, the Paul Holmgrens, the, the guys involved in the organization that still have a lot of pull there. It was clear from the onset that Barry Trotz was, you know, their guy. And Anthony alluded to this in his article. They were about to pay him around $7 million to be the highest paid coach in the league. And for Barry Trotz to coach the Philadelphia Flyers. Barry Trotz said no to that offer. So that's part of why we're at John Tortorella today. Um, and we'll talk later on, you know, in the show. I'm sure we'll, we'll queue up a Barry Trotz segment and talk about why that is. But we're talking about the Flyers right now. So Tortorella, 
after Trotz was their number two choice. Big fans in the organization and Dave Scott in, you know, Paul Holmgren and Bobby Clark. I just named those two because they're constantly in the news as advisors to the Flyers. But many other people in the organization really liked Torts, thought that he was the right coach to uh, bring that, you know, Broad Street Bullies era style edge back to the organization that they've lacked for the last couple of years. Um, and unfortunately, since the tragic passing of Ed Snyder, really, they've lacked. So Tortorella is their guy now. But because they've had a, you know, a search firm involved in this process and whatnot, and other people were in the room conducting these interviews, Chuck Fletcher's not the biggest fan of John Tortorella. Not at all, quite in fact. You know, Anthony alluded to again, and like I said, I'll go back to Anthony because he put it on paper. You know, him and I, to break the fourth wall a little bit, shared texts, you know, good friends with him. We've been talking about this and how story's going to get approached and He's more in the weeds than I am, I would say, with Philly on the day-to-day standpoint of things than, you know, more so the the macro national scope that I approach it from. But um, Fletcher's not a big fan of it. Fletcher knows that Tortorella is notoriously tough on general managers, as Anthony alluded to in the article, and that there is a severe um, function or dysfunction, if you will, in the front office of the Philadelphia Flyers in that, you know, Chuck Fletcher is right now the GM in title. They obviously have Danny Briere there who they wouldn't let leave to groom him to enter that position. Um, but the ice is extremely thin for Chuck Fletcher in the eyes of Dave Scott and management there. And it, it breeds the question of, you know, what is going to happen after the draft, after free agency? Are they going to let, you know, Chuck Fletcher have another year, have another half a year? How big is his leash at this point? When you look at it from the scope of, he really didn't have the majority say as the general manager of the club for the head coaching hire. So there's more. I wish I could tell it to you now. I would uh, not like to start a war or throw shots across the bow, but I know from sources, you're going to see this art. You're going to see the story start to evolve out in a certain, you know, famous hockey blog over the next couple of days. And But I wanted to make sure that you heard it from, you know, Anthony's words in my mouth and this podcast and their podcast over on Snow the Goalie, they do great work. So we'll see where it goes. I'm sure there's going to be more to be talked about about this flyer situation. But no, I wasn't pulling the wool. No, I wasn't holding out on just Tortorella being the hire. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes in the Flyers organization. And I'm extremely interested, as as many people are, to see really where they go from here at the helm in terms of the general manager position. So I guess what what we're the news here is less about Tortorella and more about a potential opening above him in terms of a GM role. Yeah, you know... Is Tortorella, it the opening... by the way, can we assume that th- this is going to happen, kind of done deal situation? Yeah, I would say I would say more likely than not, extremely more likely than not. Obviously, the contract isn't signed yet, and, you know, if the ink's not dry, things can happen, but... Right. Um, safe to say Tortorella is the higher, but to your point, yeah, it's more so about maybe not the open position, because Danny Briere is in that front office right now, and they're priming him for that general manager role, but mm-hmm. the... Not a coup, because I don't want to call it a coup, because a coup usually comes from people underneath, you know, the top of the chain. It's coming from more so up top, and the decision from Dave Scott and the chair and the board to bring in an outside firm and to not have the full backing of Chuck Fletcher in this coaching search. And that that's so interesting to me, because if you're management, you know, you're not involved in hockey operations, how do you... How do you let a guy like who's who sort of becomes a lame duck GM draft a you know draft? How do you let him do free agency? How do you let him sign guys? Like it sounds to me that 
I, if I'm Scott, I don't, I don't want that to happen, you know? And, and so does, does something happen sooner or later? Or is that sort of a, a trademark of the Flyers' dysfunction right now that they don't have a plan for that? You know, I, I really think they're trying to figure out what direction they want to go in with the club as a whole. And that's from the top down, really. That's from, you know, Dave Scott directly down and not just the product on the ice. I think there's a lot of decisions to be made in the Flyers organization right now. And that's part of it. You know, do we leave the lame duck general manager there? I don't know if it was Elliot or LeBron who alluded to this yesterday, but, you know, uh, Peter DeBoer looks like potentially the guy in Dallas. And that's not a done deal yet. And they're still interviewing some candidates, largely in part to Jim Nell going into his last year on his contract. And as a lame duck general manager, if you're a coach, why would you want to really get in that bed? Because if they fire and they clean house after the year, a new general manager is going to want to come in and he's going to want to hire his own guys from, you know, below him. Totally. So that, to your point, is a lot of what is going on in the Flyers organization. I don't think they have the answers either. And that's I, w- I don't want to come across like it's doomsday for Flyers fans, right? Because the team hasn't been good. They're going to get better next year. I do think Tortorella is a good hire. So there is a positive spin on it. But. You know, I don't think they have all the answers right now, and that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but it's not um, not great. So we'll see where the Flyers, you know, go going forward from here. And I, like I said, there's more to discuss about this. It'll come out soon enough, and, you know, we'll see through the media how this gets played. I think that's what I'm most intrigued about. It's interesting stuff. It's interesting stuff. You know, it's a team that if you're hiring a Tortorella, that sort of tells me it's a... The ownership thinks win now more than anything. And do they have the roster to win now? Evidently, it's kind of more of a question mark than I'd say a team like a Boston who's looking for a coach or even a Dallas who's looking for a coach. So uh, I, I guess over the next couple of days, we'll see what happens in Philly. I'm sure you will be all over it. Um, we will be all over it. Uh, spoiler alert, two episodes this week. Yeah. So as news happens... Cold Stove will be uh, your resource on that. Okay, let's go to the name that you first mentioned for the Flyers. That's Barry Trotz. Rumors that uh, seem to have been confirmed today, he has bought a house in Nashville, uh, representing a pretty pretty nice return for the original couple who bought the house. Uh, it was an interesting, I think it was the Nashville Post or something like that. But Barry Trotz now a, uh, once again, excuse me, a Nashville resident is that anything more than Barry Trotz getting, uh, you know, maybe getting involved in the real estate game, a hot market in Nashville, or or does this have hockey implications in our deep? A little bit of both, you know, funny enough. So this story kind of broke around the same time last night, around midnight that, you know, Tortorella and the Kevin Weeks news, who's been killing it, by the way, um, came out. Barry Trotz has spent the past couple of off seasons in Nashville to some capacity. I'm not really sure um, what Barry Trotz is you know, real estate situation is where, where his homes are. I don't know if he owned a vacation home in Nashville. I don't know if he was Airbnb being a nice place, but he has spent time in Nashville for the past couple of years. This isn't just like he moved out of Nashville and now he's moving back in. Does love the city, um, considers it a home to him. I do know that. It has hockey implications in the, in the aspect that we said on this podcast and other people have alluded to it. And so there's no, um, no fight there, if you will, but that Barry Trotz might want to pursue a management role and he's most comfortable in the Nashville organization. He's really close with David Poyle. 
David Poyle's not necessarily ready to hang up his um, phone line yet. We hang up cleats, we hang up skates. What does the GM hang up? The phone lines or something like that? Tosses his phone in the lake. Yeah, something I'll, like that. I love Bob McKenzie. Poyle's still got a Blackberry. Um, <laughs> but maybe groom Barry Trotz to take over for him one day and Barry Trotz join that front office in some role. So is that, by the way, is that is that one of the holdups in Philly with Trotz? I don't. Or was that a holdup in Philly? I don't believe so. I, like, did he want more than just a coaching role? I, I'm not 100% sure. And I don't okay. think it's fair to speculate. I saw some people, you know, tweeting me. I, and I and I told them on Twitter, I don't think it's fair right now to speculate that this was a all or nothing kind of like Barry Trotz is interviewing teams more than teams are interviewing Barry Trotz. But at the same time, I don't think Barry Trotz is calling all the shots here. I think it's more so Barry Trotz just. Sim- he wants the situation similar yeah, to Paul but- Maurice, right? Like this season burnt out a lot of coaches the last three years. A lot of older, you know, coaches in the league that have families have felt burnt out with the COVID and the scheduling and the traveling and the Islanders starting, you know, two months on the road, new new places and all that. So took a toll on Trotz, and I think he's looking for the best situation for him. It's not as simple as hey, give Trotz the most money. Clearly, with that number that Anthony reported of seven million, the Flyers were going to give Trotz a lot of money. Um, and I know Vegas was going to pay trots and I know Winnipeg wants to pay trots. They still do. I don't know. I don't think that that's a, a gimme at this point. Um, but he's hunting for the best situation. That might be the front office in Nashville for him. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I mean, how, how, uh, the older guys, you got to be careful with, because it seems like their message is still old school which helps when you have veterans in the room. It helps when you have leadership on your team. You're not trying to develop the Buffalo Sabres or the Detroit Red Wings, et cetera. You know, like that's where Trotz is looking for and maybe management suits him better. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's go to one of the official announcements yesterday. Made official, anytime you get the team Twitter account involved. Oh, that that uh, insufferable team Twitter account? (laughs) Reasonably uh, easy to say that he is hired officially, and that is Bruce Cassidy in Vegas. NRD one, did you see this coming? And two, did Bill Foley get this right? Bill Foley wants to win a Stanley Cup, and that's evident. You could I say mean, that. he's on his third coach. He's on his, you know, seven hundredth million dollar um, invested into this team in the last two seasons between the Eichel trade and you know the Pacioretty trade and everything. He's committed to winning Stanley Cup, and I think Bruce Cassidy is a great coach. I don't know why Boston fired him. I don't think Boston should have fired him. I think there's a lot of politics at play in that front office as well, similar to the Flyers, maybe with a little less dysfunction, maybe not. Who's to say? Um, Just don't know the specifics as Boston as much as I do in Philly right now. But, you know, Cassidy's out. He was, I think if, if for any reason somebody didn't like Barry Trotz and didn't consider him the best coach available, Cassidy was their number one by far. Um, he's had nothing but success in Boston since he's been there. Um, obviously, yes, success is measured in Stanley Cups, but he's had a lot of overall success there with that team and that club. And now he's in Vegas. I think he's the right voice for that Vegas club. He's dealt with a lot of personalities over the years in Boston. Um, a lot of leaders and Brad Marchand and you know Patrice Bergeron, Zidane Chara, a lot of different people in eclectic locker room there in Boston. I think he'll fit right in in Vegas, and I think he's going to do a hell of a job there. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's – it feels like a good fit. You know, if, we're, if you're not going to go uh, 
yeah, I guess he's a younger guy, right? He's kind of in between sort of develop and win now type of gray hair sort of coach. It feels like a good fit for that locker room. A lot of interesting things that are going to happen to that Vegas team salary cap wise. You know, you look at their healthy roster, they're an all-star team, right? Like that's what Vegas does. They, they're the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And I think once, once Bill Foley realized that the uh, scrappy underdog expansion team thing kind of wears off once you start winning, it's okay, we're going to become the Yankees. We're going to go spend. We're going to go after the every big free agent name. Vegas is tied to tangentially, right? Jack Eichel gets traded there. I like the the prospect of a Cassidy Eichel kind of duo. I know Boston. Jack's a Boston guy. We'll see. I, I don't hate the fit. I think that team is sort of reeling after what happened this past second half of the season, right? So we'll see what happens in Vegas. I, I like the prospects of them. I think they're going to need to give up somebody to make things work cap-wise. <laughs> Max Pacioretty. You think it's going to be a Pacioretty thing? I think that uh, I think that there's a very strong possibility, and we're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks. I think there's a very strong possibility both William Carlson and or Max Pacioretty, Max Pacioretty um, have played their last games in a Golden Knights uniform. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, let's go to let's let's. We just mentioned Boston. A lot going on in that front office as well. Cassidy out. Uh, kind of a where are we going with this? Is our window over? Some people say yes. Some people say no. What what is our window? What are we as a team? Where is David Krejci, and why is he still in you know Slovakia, Czech Republic, or the Czech Republic? Excuse me, or Czechia, 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 Czechia. Yeah. Something. He's over Something. there with I want to be Yager. correct. I want to be correct. Wherever Yager um, is, uh, Krejci is. Correct. A uh, couple names. Let me throw them at you. Jim Montgomery, Nate Lehman, Jay Leach, David Quinn. If you are calling a horse race, who is in the lead rounding the turn? Nate Leach seems to – I had Nate Leach. Um, Jay Leach seems to have the inside track just based on his you know, familiarity with the organization, with Don Sweeney, with Cam Neely there. Um, coached the Providence Bruins, then left to be an assistant coach on the Seattle Kraken. Yes, that's a team. You know, It's been so long. I forgot the Seattle Kraken exists in this league now. Um, the Seattle Kraken, front, uh, the head coaching staff there, the assistant coach with the uh, coaching staff in Seattle. He seems to have the inside track right now. He's got a lot of fans in the organization, both in the front office and in the locker room. A lot of players in that team grew up with him um, in Providence with the Bruins there. So they're comfortable with him. They know what he can do behind a bench. Intrigued to see, you know, what happens with the David Quinn interview. Boston guy through and through again. Seems like he's part of that um, Boston Boys Club, like where everybody knows your name. Certain bar. Cheers. Like, that just seems David Quinn, Don Sweeney, and Cam Neely to me. So we'll see where that interview goes. And there's Jim Montgomery, who I think is well-deserving of a coaching job. I'd say right now that if Barry Trotz doesn't end up in Winnipeg, which I've, you know, stomped my feet numerous times and said if he was going to be in Winnipeg, he would be in Winnipeg by now. I think Jim Montgomery is an inside track in Winnipeg. So between those three names, I think Boston's going to have a Rolodex of interviews um, completed and have a good, good sense of where they're going to go with their head coaching position. But... You know, Leach has the inside track right now just based on his, you know, familiarity with the organization. Syracuse, New York guy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Shouts to Central New York. Uh, that's Jay Leach. I want to commend you, by the way. This this going back to 
earlier in the playoffs when sort of uh, nobody was on Jim Montgomery. You were the very much the first person to say Jim Montgomery. Now he's everywhere, right? So first, shouts to you, NRD, on that. Don't say we don't break news on this podcast. We do. Uh, and then and then he pitched up steam across the board. So excited to see Jim Montgomery get another shot. Well honestly. deserving. I mean, he, he's paid his dues. He's done. He dealt with a lot of personal issues. Mm-hmm. And he's the one name that had been said to me. You know, it was in Philly at one point. That's not to say he didn't have some believers in that room. Things obviously changed um, for the different. I wouldn't say for the better, but for the different in Philly in that process. But he is a name that was told to me as a guy that's well-deserving of another shot at head coaching in this league. He's learned a lot um, with what he went through. He's learned a lot behind the bench, you know, with Craig Berube in St. Louis. And some team is going to get a hell of a coach, whether it's this year or next year, in Jim Montgomery. Um, is Jay Leach too young for a Bruins team? He's not too young because he was in the organization previously. Okay. If he was, if Jay Leach was Jay Leach without the familiarity in the organization, I think you'd have a different, um, it'd be like the Rangers of a couple of years ago, hiring Quinn. And then the Rangers of last year with David Quinn, you started to make that turn for the better. You have some veterans in there that there's a little bit of a disconnect with a guy that doesn't let you drink beer on the bus on the way home because mm-hmm. that's how he's used to running his college program um, in David Quinn. But I think with Leach, you have the familiarity with those guys that grew up, you know, learning from him in the A. So I think he gets away with that a little bit. Yeah, I, you might be right there where it's it, he, you become you, – you're so young that you, you can almost – you relate to guys like a, a Marshand or Berger, like mid-30s guys because you're just barely above 40. You become that player's coach. You know what they're going through. You know the family lifestyle. You're not going to be a hard ass. You can still skate with them. You know, go out and practice and put on the skates. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that, in a way, if you're not going to go the hard ass old gray hair, you know, hold the puck in the third period with a lead type of route on a veteran team, which works. We've seen that it does. work. Maybe you go like full polar opposite to a, a guy with zero head coaching experience in the NHL and a, a recently retired, not you know, not recently recently, but a, a young guy like a Jay Leach. Mm-hmm. We'll see. By the way, uh, married to Catherine Tappet for a while back in the day. Really? Jay Leach. Yeah. Early 2000s, I remember that. It's a scoop? I didn't know that. I don't think it's a scoop. I think it's just like... Well, it's a scoop because I ran, didn't know. Random fact. There you oh, go. There you Fun go. fact. <laughs> Uh, fun fact, Peter DeBoer's name is being talked about in Dallas. You mentioned that earlier. Jim Nill's complicating thing. Any, anything we want to clean up there before we move on to uh, – I'll give you a take your pick on the coaching search next. No, um, we could talk a little bit about Stevie Y. Nothing leaks out from Steve Eiserman, but I do know that he's waiting on uh, somebody. You know, Okay. No specific name. I, I have a feeling it's somebody involved in that Tampa Bay staff. Uh, you know – Yep. Nothing groundbreaking there. You know, that's that's the type of guy Stevie Y is. Protect his own. Little interesting that the Vegas odds um, for who's, you know, the, the leader in the clubhouse right now by the sports books, the handicappers, to coach the Red Wings next year, Sergey Fedorov. Whoa. You know, it's... Are you serious? Like, you know, our good friends at DraftKings don't offer props on the next yeah. head coach of the Red Wings. But, you know, in those offshore books where you can bet that Sergey Fedorov is the leader in the clubhouse. Which is weird. I mean, he is shouts coaching. To, uh, he was in a shots to intern Adam behind the uh, behind the, the the board, the ones and twos here, who 
gave a pretty good eyebrow raise at that one. Yeah, he's uh, in the, you the know, Detroit I, guy. I don't know the um, the sports book. Like I said, it's one of those offshore books or a couple of them, but he does have coaching experience. He coached Russia as an assistant coach at the Olympics this year. Does coach with um, SKA St. Petersburg in the KHL. So has been behind the bench. Would you know? With Stevie Y, with Eiserman, anything could really surprise you. So, so you're saying you're saying my Patrick Waugh to the Red Wings uh, as the head coach is, is not going to happen. Is that what, is that where you're going? With it's that? not necessarily where I'm going, but it could be. Listen, all it takes is one night for uh, Stevie Bong rips to uh, get in one and be like, "Hey, I should hire Patrick Waugh to coach this organization." <laughs> so we'll see. Interesting names being thrown around. I do think though he's waiting on somebody from the Tampa organization. All right, take your pick in these last couple uh, last couple items here. I'm going to go Chicago, Winnipeg, New Jersey, and Ritakit. Anything on those four, or do you have a, a bead on somebody there that we can kind of go on, or is there still more kind of shaking out as the playoffs dwindle down here? We'll see what happens. There was never an official um, Lindy Ruff is back with New Jersey. Tom Fitzgerald is constantly evaluating that staff in that position. I spoke to a really good source that I trust um, that I think they're going to give him another run. They're going to fix the goaltending situation or at least try to in the offseason. Really who so. Um, And they're going to push Mackenzie Blackwood, bring in another 1A or 1B, and they're going to give Lindy Ruff a chance, largely in part to the fact that, you know, don't discredit what Jack Hughes said about Lindy Ruff and how much of a fan. Jack Hughes is and Lindy Ruff's impact on Jack Hughes as the growth, you know, as his growth continues as an NHL player. So. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Lindy Ruff uh, could see that if, if he does get extended, not extended, excuse me, if he does get another vote of confidence, he would be one of those, all right, hot seat. If, if New Jersey goes 2-12 and 12 to start next year, that's like, okay, we gave you the shot, give you an offseason, but... Uh, not going to work out. You know who works out for me, though, NRD? Mugsy. Mugsy jeans are the most comfortable men's jeans on the planet. Literally anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. They're built with a proprietary stretch denim, and they look stylish but feel like you're wearing sweatpants. I don't know if you saw my my uh, one of my most recent Instagram posts, NRD, from Montana. Standing in front of a lake, Mugsy jean jacket, Mugsy jeans. Were those Mugsy? I did see that picture. Both Mugsy. Both Mugsy. They were just absolutely the most comfortable things I could have worn. They looked great. I felt good. I felt confident. I because I liked that look. I feel big time confident in those jeans and that jean jacket. Uh, felt like I, I belonged out west. Yeah. If somebody asked you, "Hey, we need some, we need you to chop some for the fireplace," like you, exactly. you look like you're ready to go. Exactly. The thing is, they just they give you a room where you need it. You know, maybe maybe around the uh, the groin area, they give you uh, the breathable. You can flick them up. Uh, you know, you can what cuff them if you'd like. Good look. You can leave them down for more of a boot cut look. They deliver in all kinds of situations, all kinds of colors. And guess what? They're doing swimwear now. NRD. They just dropped ten fresh new designs. Uh, it's the greatest thing that hit pool since the cannonball. That's what they're saying. I know. Choose your ride with two potential inseams of seven or nine inches and no netting. No netting. You know the netting NRD in swimsuits? No. It just 
No, not, no netting here. I cut the netting out of the swimsuits. Am I weird? As I always do, too. Okay, I always so, do. Right. I always do, too. There you go. But they don't even have it to begin with. Even better. Even better. And the Super Stretch fabric makes for a quicker drying surface. It's time to free your balls, NRD, from uncomfortable swimsuits this year with Mudsy. Good looks, too. Good looks across the board, whether you're going jean jackets, jeans, swimwear, golf pants, you name it. Mudsy is here for you, and they look great. Use promo code STOVE for 10% off your entire order. Do your legs a favor. Head on over to Mudsy.com to pick up a pair of the most comfortable clothes ever worn. That's Mudsy.com. Excuse me. Mudsy.com, code STOVE for 10% off your entire order. Again, get the most comfortable men's clothes on planet Earth. Add Mudsy.com and use promo code STOVE for 10% off your entire order. Game one tonight, NRD, Stanley Cup Finals, Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, the first final in any major sport featuring a name that doesn't end in S, right? Since like 2010 or something like that. Two teams. I think yeah. it, was the, it was the Miami Heat against somebody else. but The Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City Thunder, that's right. How excited are you for this and the fighting Arturi Lekkinens? Speaking of, yeah, good point. Hold, hold, holding strong still. I'd like to commend you, Brett, um, Thank you. if I will. Thank you. On this very <laughs> podcast, you were out uh, in front of this one. You said that whoever acquires Arturi Lekin is going to win the Stanley Cup. Did you place money still on the alive. Colorado Avalanche after they acquired Arturi Lekin? No, I did not. See, you Unfortunately, and it's because I placed money on the Edmonton Oilers. I know, as did I, as I had a couple of teams. I didn't have Colorado because I didn't, you know. I figured they were going to win, and I didn't think the odds were that great. I wasn't going to get the value out of Colorado. Um, but I want to commend you on that that take. That was a really good take. I am excited for the series. I'm excited for tonight. Um, Braden Point is in the lineup, so that'll be fun to see. It's been a long time coming for him. I'm interested to see what John Cooper does with the lines, though, because Anthony Sorelli has been playing extremely well down the middle. So... We'll see how far he gets bumped down the lineup for Braden Point, which he should. Braden Point's a great player, but interested to see how that works out. Colorado's the home team. I have Colorado tonight. Yeah, I just... I don't know if you can bump Sorelli down unless Braden Point is like 100% healthy. Mm -hmm. Because Sorelli... Just the way that Sorelli's been playing. He's been playing that good. And... Uh, you know, I I get the I get the thought. Braden Point is Braden Point. Maybe he gets. Maybe you you are more like Braden. We're gonna play you, you know, eleven or twelve minutes, but we want you on the power play going balls to the wall. Like that, we're gonna sacrifice some five on five time to keep you healthier. Mm -hmm. But power plays where we're going to focus on your, you know, your your series. That's that's where you're gonna help us out the most because if you're not hundred percent. We at least you want to full go in in the situations where you can benefit us the most. Correct. So we'll see Darcy Kemper also back and getting the start tonight over Pavel Francois. How do you feel about that? I just think no matter who you play, you're losing the goalie battle here. So you just have to score. Yeah. Right. It's it's going to be like I don't care if it's Francois or or Kemper. I don't think either of them will steal you a game this series like Vasilevsky can. I agree, but, you know, Francois played well in a couple of those games in, in Edmonton, in the Edmonton series, I should say. You know what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I just think Colorado's game plan was superior in that series. 
It really, they, it like, they just couldn't get anything going. They could not get anything going in Edmonton. And so that, that to me, that point, it's, it's like one thing if it's one game or two games even at home, but it was four games in a row. Yeah. That Edmonton just, you know, they played them close some games, but they just looked, they didn't look like the team that was in Calgary running up and down the ice. There was no time and space, and Colorado did a great job of that. It wasn't just Kale McCarr either. It was Taves, and McKinnon plays a good defensive game when he needs to, and Nachushkin, and these guys that are sort of Colorado's, you call them role players, they're all fucking all-stars, but they, they knew what they were doing game plan-wise. But that being said, nobody's going to game plan better for a series than John Cooper and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's so it's almost going to be like a th- where the series up to this point have felt uh, like checkers. This series to me feels like chess. Not quite. So I agree for the most part. I do think that John Cooper adjusted tremendously against the Rangers in that series. And I tweeted out if you watch the Rangers between game two and three, the Rangers where the flip started, right? That it was two nothing Rangers and then four two. Yeah, Lightning. so with three two, they, that was Palat with like twenty seconds left or so, forty seconds left. Yeah, no, I, I just I mean series. Oh, the series way. Yeah, so the turning okay. point in that series was the Rangers had a lot of success uh, success off the odd man rush, off of getting into the zone, off of cycling the puck up high, off of having Adam Fox dance on the blue line with the puck and get you know to open space to get a shot on net or to find Zibanejad. After game two, which Tampa allowed twice at the Garden, Tampa played the Rangers so tight to the wall on the on the uh, the break into the zone. They played them so up high with their wingers and put pressure on the you know the D man at the points, and they adjusted completely. And then that's where the Rangers were stymied on offense. So to your point, yes, a lot of these series have been checkers, but you saw John Cooper, who you know is a lawyer, has that litigious background, thinks very analytically, um, very logically make that adjustment in the Rangers series. The reason why Tampa's not out of, you know, out of the weeds of winning a Stanley Cup, a third Stanley Cup in a row, is because of John Cooper and his ability to make those adjustments. So I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just wanted to sound smart and throw that point in there about how he did it in the Eastern no, Conference I Final. I don't disagree with you. I think maybe maybe more Colorado has played checkers. Yeah, Colorado just went out there than, and beat teams. Right. Colorado is like, we are, we are better than you. Yeah. We don't. I don't care who our goalie is. We're going to beat you. Tampa has has played more chess, but when they man, when they step on your throat, they step on your throat. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to this. I, you know, everybody's like the matchups and McKinnon versus Kucherov or Point or whoever you want to say, and Makar versus Hedman and Vasilevsky versus Kemper. And again, like this is. Almost cliche to say, but this game is going to be won on the, on the third line, mm-hmm. fourth line. It's Patty Maroon's going to score a garbage overtime goal in game two and and flip the series on its head, right? Like very like the the stars are going to be the stars, and maybe even cancel each other out. Yeah, but this game is going to come down to the Sorelli getting bumped down or the uh, some guy on. You know, France, maybe Francois does steal a game, right? Like, it's going to come down to those X factors that are not the line one, line two, PP1, PP2 guys. It's it's going to happen like that. I agree. And, and like, who who in your mind, like, playoff hockey, we're, we're 12, 14, 15, 16, 20 games into this thing now. 
People are banged up. People are hurt. So does physicality play a role? And which one of these teams is is going to be more physical at the end of this road? Because they're not exactly like you don't look at Tampa and and Colorado and say, "I'm I'm scared they're going to beat us to a pulp." No, you know they can, but like they're not Tampa's going fourth to. line can, but they're not going so it's, to. Unless they unless they just say that's going to be our strategy in one of these games. Which they could. I mean, I like the Avalanche depth, and I think they have a lot of different X factors on that team. You can. It's hard to draw comparisons between you know 2001 and 2022 now at the Avalanche. It's just they were built differently in the Joe Sackick as a player era, not the Joe Sackick as a GM era. But you look at some of those guys in that 01 roster, and I went back. The Valerie Kamenskys, the Stefan Yells, you know, the Milan Haydukes. There's guys on that team that remind me of like, the Andre Burakovskis, the um, Arturi Lekkinens, the Devontaeses. There are, you know, there's similarities in that the Avalanche back then had the Joe Sackick, they had the Peter Forsberg, they had, you know, Ray Bork in 01, they had Rob Blake at some point on that team, they had, you know, Adam Foote, they had guys that were going to beat you just on skill, but they also had those role pieces. Right, and that's what the Avalanche are built similarly to today, and I think that's large part to Joe Sackick witnessing it firsthand in the locker room, um, and that's just that's still why I like the Avalanche to to win the Stanley Cup. But to your point, I wouldn't close out Tampa because of that, because John Cooper is so adaptable as a head coach, and he can really make those changes on the fly. One day show up, outgun you with Kucherov and Stamkos, and the next day say we're going to grind the shit out of you with Pat Maroon and Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul. So that's maybe more great maybe greater than any individual x factor is the x factor of how tampa is going to play this series as a whole i agree if say you're jared bednar and nazim kadri nazim kadri can go tonight but he's not going to be 100 percent nazim kadri or maybe game two whatever would you hold him out on purpose to say if we lose one of these two games in Colorado, say we're going to bring you back game three or four in Tampa because it's sort of the shot in the arm, shot in the locker room type of thing. If we win both in Colorado, great. But if we lose one, I still have a, a kind of an ace up my sleeve to get the boys like, oh, we still have Kadri coming back type of thing. You, know, you like that strategy? I don't hate that strategy. The only thing with that strategy is I would have to know if I were Jared, Jared Bednar that if you hold him out game two, he's going to be 100% for game three because he's not 100% for game two. Like if he's 75% throughout the playoffs, then you might as well just put him in the lineup. He is what he is. If you think he's giving you more effort or skill or whatever than what you have, you know, amongst the healthy scratches, then it doesn't matter at that point. 50%, if you think 50 percent of Nazem Kadri is better than what you could insert into the lineup, then Kadri's got to play. If you think that, hey, we're one or two days out, right? And he's 75% for game one, but he's 100% for game two, or if he's 75% for game two, but 100% for game three, then yeah, I like that strategy. But you have to know if you're going to hold him out, that it's only going to help him get healthier and healthier by the day. Otherwise, you might as well just go with what you got Nazem Kadri there as hurt as he is if he wants to play. That's Yeah, that's fair. I just think I think you, you hold him out tonight. You bring back Kemper, give you a little shot in the arm. You you know, Braden points back. Let's let's, like, let's see what you have without Kadri. And if you win, it's gravy. You're like, oh, fuck yes. Okay, we got we have a team. Altitude, like you, you already have some advantages in your court. 
But if you lose, you bring them back game two and like, hey, but we're fine, boys. We're fine, boys. Like, we lost game one. We got Kadri coming back. We're all right. So I think you hold them out at the very least game one. That's my official take. Uh, final prediction. You know, we're not really like an X's and O's podcast here. We like to dabble. We're more news and notes. But I think we can break down a series or two if given the chance. Who do you like uh, to win in how many games? Avalanche five. Avalanche at five. I know that like counteracts everything I just said, but at the root of its core, Avalanche at five. Avalanche in six over here. Okay. I think they trade home wins and Avalanche win the Stanley Cup in Tampa game six. I think uh, Tampa takes game two. I think Avalanche take the game tonight. Tampa takes game two in Tampa. Colorado uses that, sweeps Tampa at home, and captures it at Ball Arena. You know, there's no there's no after 22 years Raymond Bork on that club, but there will be a party in Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado. Uh, finally, well-deserved, I'd say. For, the, for the, the past seven or so years of that Colorado club, going from the worst team potentially of all time to truly building a team with Joe Sackett and doing it not the cheap way, not the quick way. There's no get rich quick. They didn't crypto bubble their team. They built it the right way. No, they they, re- they had Patrick well. Waz, their head coach, at some point in the last two decades. <laughs> they really built it the tough way. Um, they went they through built it. it. Right. And uh, maybe a template for a certain team in Western New York out there. I don't oh, know. I don't there know. you go. Again. Let's go, uh, let's go with some off-season things, some news, notes, rumors. I don't know, videos outside Toronto clubs, perhaps. Uh, did you happen to catch that one with with one uh, Zach Cassian? Right, he was the main star of that video. No, so there <laughs> there was a really funny tweet. I retweeted it um, that basically said, "Yeah, I'll go through. We'll, we'll retweet it from the show account um, later on after we finish recording." Basically said he wasn't cheating. He was circumventing the salary cap by putting his current girlfriend <laughs> on LTIR. So ah, there it is. A okay. brilliant tweet, well executed um to that individual and we'll retweet it from the show account, but yeah, that was interesting. A uh, great way to kick off the offseason. Do you think Yeah, you know, you know, here's a question. If your significant other throws your shit out the window onto a heated driveway, do they really throw it out the window at all? What a first world problem that I is. I know, right? Something, something to ponder. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, we like I don't I don't know if uh, Lauren and Connor are together or broken up. Well, that could have been. I don't want to dive. You know, I don't want to dive into wanna, pers- yeah, right. If they don't want to disclose no, yeah. that they were broken up, he's totally allowed to do what he's doing. Sure, fine. It just I, and I don't like sneaking up on people and taking videos and saying, "Hey, Connor, like, look over here, man." He did make a funny face where he's just. It was the. I've been to the club for too long. I, I'm like, I don't even know who I'm with at this point. It's just It was the face of the picture of Connor McDavid with those two people in the airport. Yeah. It was exactly. that just, Connor McDavid face. So funny video. I I did think we would mention it, but I, I don't want to dive into people's personal lives because that's obviously personal. Um but I, I did I did love that Zach Cassian was just Everybody's like, who's a, that's a bodyguard? It's like, well, kind of. <laughs> yeah, like, yes, you're right. It is a bodyguard. It is, but it's he, he's an NHL hockey player too. Uh, my my friends are funny. They're like, that's the best player in the world. Like he looks like any other kid in Toronto. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he's 6'1", 185, cut, but not like 
doesn't doesn't blow you away like a LeBron James two type. at the combine. Yeah, exactly. Two more than Casey Middlestat. Uh, speaking of these Buffalo Sabers, trade trade was made. How about this? You see that last week, NRD? They, they signed uh, or they traded for Ben Bishop, a Dallas Stars fan and Tampa fan, actually. Good. Good news. Goalie in Buffalo. Buffalo's got a goalie, goalie everyone. <laughs> Buffalo's got a goalie who's never stepping on the ice again. Uh, that that brings their never stepping on the ice again team to Johnny Boychuk and Ben Bishop. They're starting to build a roster, about Brett. They start, if it was 2000, you know, 2010, I'd be stoked. Oh, my gosh. Like the, the uh, turn of the, turn of the uh, decade, Doc Emmerich, NBC era, like that's a Buffalo team you want to see in the Stanley Cup Finals. Ben Bishop, oh yeah. Johnny Boychuk. Oh yeah. Craig Anderson backing him up. Kyla, Kyla Poso, yeah. Craig Anderson. Yep. Um, Cliff Poo, somewhere in there, recent draft pick. Uh, but no, this this a lot of Sabres fans were actually kind of concerned about this because they're saying, oh, well, that's that's our money to get to the cap floor versus signing a, uh, I don't know, a, real, a healthy goaltender. And I kind of get it, right? Like the Sabres are going to need to get to the cap floor. This is helping them do it, but the guys, I, I can't remember, I think it was Peters and, and Rive on after the whistle were making a good point where you're going to need, like nobody's penciling in the Buffalo Sabres to win the Stanley Cup this year, but you're going to need room and, and well above the cap floor if you want to ship a guy out at the trade deadline who's uh, you know a pending free agent, right? Like a... Like you know, Poso, if you want to, or Zemgis Gergensen's, for example, or or whoever, you name it, because guys are going to get paid this summer. Victor Olafson's going to get paid. He better, he better get paid. He was hurt for so long last year, and people are like, he's the trade guy. He's the trade guy. He's well, the trade that, guy. is he going to get paid in Buffalo? Because he bet he has to. And he has to. I'm only going to say this, to. and and I know you're very plugged in with the Buffalo Sabers. You've proven that time and time again on the show, so there's no doubts. To uh, that. Then nobody will say a fucking word about Viltrolis, and that's what concerns well, me even more. But I still think, and and I had said this on Trade Deadline Live. I have said this on this podcast. I still think that there's there's a fit there between Kevin Fiala and the Buffalo Sabers. Oh, I could absolutely I think see that. that. There, I think he's a guy. I think he makes a lot of sense in New Jersey, too. Um, I know I'm not the only one saying that, but I have been saying Kevin Fiala and the Buffalo Sabres going back to March 1st on this show. Um, that's a guy I'd watch. Give you- and if and if Victor Olsen, if you don't have to give up a ton of assets for Kevin Fiala, and it's more so a player-for-player player deal, a hockey trade, if you will, um, I don't hate the fit of Kevin Fiala with the Buffalo Sabres with the lineup that they have right now. And the lineup they're trying to build, I should say. My only hesitation there is he's kind of a dickhead. So is Kevin Jack Fiala. Eichel, though. So, <laughs> really. Okay. <laughs> you know, Buffalo. Yeah, it's true. You know what? If Don Dronado can deal with dickheads, then bring on bring on the dickheads. Yeah, listen, if Jack don't, Eichel don't was a dickhead and uh, Kevin Fiala is a dickhead, then, you know, path of linear secession in Buffalo. I'll give you uh, another one that the guy's on uh, maintenance day, Joe Yurden and Lance Lysowski, friend of the program. Big friend of the show. Uh, they gave out. They gave out Marcus Foligno from Minnesota. Uh, two more years on his contract at 3.1. Buffalo guy. Well, I was just going to say, is that the old saying, if you can't beat him, trade for the brother? <laughs> sure, why yeah. not? But uh, I, I wouldn't hate that one either. And Minnesota, obviously, is going to have an interesting offseason because they need to shed cap and shed cap quickly, which is why Fiala and Foligno are even in the discussion, mm-hmm. right? But 
I just I well, going back to Victor Olofsson for a second. You do not trade like he he's not the best all around player on the planet. Obviously, he's not the best defensive player in that locker room. Nor is he a top. 10 defensive player in that locker room. I understand that. So before Craig comes yelling at me, I get that. But when you have a guy who does something exceptionally, like you cannot system fit something about him, and that's his shot and his ability to score, which the Sabres aren't exactly uh, good at, you don't trade it. You don't trade it because you have enough assets outside of Victor Olofsson to trade if you want something, right? That is, you have first-round picks. You have first-round picks this year. You have first-round picks next year. You have first-round picks, uh, excuse me, second-round picks next year. First-round picks this year. You have Casey Middlestat. You have the sort of the unpopular, which I don't hate, the Dylan Cousins potential. You know, if you think he's going to blow up, which I do, but I take Olafson now versus Cousins in three years type of thing. I don't know. I don't I just don't I do not see how you give up an exceptional something, right? You're for for very good across the board. Yeah. I don't especially when you know like maybe if maybe if Victor Olofsson is going to get you the piece that puts you in the Stanley Cup finals, I just don't see how a team that struggles to score a secondary scoring to begin with is going to give up perhaps their best secondary scorer. So you're saying that Kevin Fiala is a little bit better than Victor Olsson, but he's also a dickhead. So that brings him back to Victor, Victor Olsson. No, I just, I, I, I want Kevin Fiala on my team without giving up. Yeah. Victor two of them. Yeah. I get that. I get that. And if you're, but to your, like, if you were, um, not Kevin Fiala, I'm sorry, Bill Guerin, the general manager of, of, um, Minnesota, wouldn't you want a guy like Victor Olsson who has the ability to fill that role maybe a little bit cheaper as you're watching every penny, every dollar at this point on the salary cap? Yeah, but it, it's it's a little cheaper, but Victor Olsson's going to make $5 million. Like yeah. he, I think he's proven that he is that much. It's Maybe it's, five and a half. We'll see. The, the market's interesting. It's a good point. And the market, you look at guys like Andrew Kopp, Ryan Strom, who are going to get maybe the upwards of six on the market. Victor yeah. Olsson might get paid. I, I don't I don't see why not. I mean, he's certainly going to ask for it. He's going to say in the games that I was healthy. That's like, how do you measure health, right? I didn't score a goal for 30 games. Clearly something was wrong, and his wrist was on, in shambles. Then he gets healthy. He scores like 20 goals in, in 28 games or something like that. So are you that Victor Olofsson, or are you that Victor Olofsson? He's going to get paid somewhere in the middle, right, because that's how negotiations work. Mm-hmm. And where does that come out to? I'm, I, I, he's getting a raise, that's for sure. He's oh, he's getting raised absolutely. And the Sabers need to pay guys. Like, it's sort of a perfect fit. Like, why would you not? Maybe you don't want to go term with him. You don't want to go five years, but you could bridge deal him to to UFA, make him happy. Make, uh, you know, but if even if you want to just shoot NRD, if you want to fucking, uh, what am I trying to qualify him? One year, you get a raise. And then we'll we'll decide what you what we're gonna do with you with the trade deadline. Does everybody win there? No, I don't think the Sabres win there, but Victor Olofsson does. Minnesota Wild do, right? Like yeah. a future trade partner does. If that's what you want to do, fine. I don't love it, but fine. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh that's obviously an interesting offseason conversation that we'll have some Buffalo guys on to talk about.
Speaking of qualifying, uh, Brock Besser is going to get at least a qualifying offer from Vancouver. Probably deserves more than that, but is Vancouver just in that kind of wait-and-see period where we're going to figure out what we're going to be and then then Brock Besser is that next domino, whether it's a trade, long-term yeah. signing? I still think they're trying to figure out a bunch of things. JT Miller, um, Brock Besser. We know that their untouchables list is pretty small. It's Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes. Um, a couple other guys on there. Um, but we'll see where they have some gymnastics to do. I don't think they're in cap hell, if I'm not mistaken. But I think they, there's moves to be made if they want to improve that roster. Maybe re um, reallocate the funds in different directions. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, staying out west, John Gibson, quote, has not asked for a trade. End quote. Do you believe him? Yeah, I do. Um, I do believe him. Not only because he's saying it, but I... I do think that there was some light at the end of the tunnel when Anaheim went on that tear right before the All-Star break. We said I, it. We said one we, of Anaheim was or LA was going to make the playoffs and they did. And they did. And and we also said that John Gibson was always going to be a um not a victim of circumstance, but a let's see where the roster, let's see where this organization goes before I make my decision. Yeah. I'm not all the way out, I'm not all the way in. If we can start winning some hockey games, I might be in again. If we're it's going to be a slow, arduous process. I'm out. I think we're still there with John Gibson. I, I I think that this new report about a trade request is more or less a rehashing and a retelling of what he told to the organization at the beginning of the year, which is, you know, I'm here right now. Can we start winning some hockey games, please, or else I don't want to be here right now. Right. And that is very different from a trade request. So I, I do believe John Gibson when he says that. Could be, <clears throat> excuse me, could be a uh, a Sabres option. I know they. Uh, I know they like him. I'll put it. Could that be way. a devil's option as well. Keep an eye out. Um, let's finish up the off-season talk with the. You mentioned J.T. Miller. Where I'm going with this is the New York Rangers have some decisions to make. Mainly Ryan Strom, um, Gerard Gallant, obviously asked about why he stretched Capocacco this week. Where do the Rangers go? It's sort of in an overachieving season from here. What is the next step um, on 7th Avenue? Well, you have to see what you have first in-house before you determine what you do and where you spend because money's tight right now for the New York Rangers. They have flexibility, but it's tight on paper as is. Um, Philip Hedl, he had a hell of a playoff run. Started to look like a Philip Hedl, um that they drafted in the first round, you know, three or four years ago. But... I think the jury's still out as Filipino as a center in the National Hockey League. Filipino, I'm going to say the, no. See, I, did, I respectfully disagree. I think Filipino, the top six forward, was shown in the playoffs. I think Filipino, the center in the National Hockey League, was not shown. He still can't win faceoffs at a decent clip. And I think that, that was what did in the Rangers in the Carolina series in a lot of the games that they lost. They won like 35 to 40% of the draws. And when you get crushed in the draws like that, you lose offensive zone time and you give up defensive zone time. So... That was a big problem for the New York Rangers. And then in the Tampa series, it kind of showed itself on his, you know, on its head again with Philip Hill not winning the draws. The kid line did have jam. Um, still don't Some understand. Truculence, why, perhaps? Truculence. Still don't understand why Capo Caco didn't play in game six. If the whole goal was to score more of them, um, Dryden Hunt wasn't going to do that for you. So I think it's a bad decision. Gerard Gallant, being the veteran coach that he is, has no choice but to own that bad mistake. I don't think he's going to come out there and say, I fucked up. No doubt. Um, but I think it starts with Heedle. 
Lafreniere also looked fantastic in the playoffs. I think he's well deserving of playing on the top line. If you're if you're looking at the Rangers next year and how they like to structure their lineup historically, I think a first line of Zibanejad, Lafreniere, and Kreider makes a ton of sense for that club. With what Lafreniere is able to do, not necessarily the best skater, but Kreider has the speed to make up for it. Lafreniere played with physicality and he could score, and he showed that in the playoffs, or at least set up so scoring chances. That would require an almost twelve million dollar a year player on the second line. Do you think he's cool with that? Artemi Panarin, uh, the bread man. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's not cool with it because he's been on the second line since he came to New York Rangers. Really? Oh, has he? In, in I'm theory, stat- yeah. He's played with he's played with Jesper Foss and Ryan Strom in his first season with the Rangers, and then they had trouble finding a replacement for Jesper Foss. So that's been a revolving door of. Barkley Goodrow, Capo Caco. Does, a, does a Sammy Blake coming back help that out too? Yeah, who's also an RFA. They're going to have to pay him not very much because, you know, he's missed an he's entire been hurt, year unfortunately. to an ACL. Yeah, so who Sammy Blake was also in the news. This, uh, oh, this what, what did he say? He commented on his sister's Instagram saying something like, sexy or yeah, you're sexy, so hot or something like that? Sexy baby with a heart or something Just, like that. We, yeah. Probably an inside joke. Um, yeah. Or he played hockey at the University of Alabama Huntsville, who's to say? Oh, um, boy. <laughs> oof, that was tough. Dun, dun, dun. But he's going to come back. He's not going to get paid too much. Um, but he's there in that top nine. I wouldn't say top six, but top nine. Ryan Strom and Andrew Copper, the two guys for the New York Rangers that are big pending unrestricted free agents. If I had to take a guess, if, if one of the two were staying, I think it's going to be Andrew Kopp. Maybe a little bit cheaper than Ryan Strom. Because for all the knocks that we've given on Ryan Strom, if he had a dollar for every empty net he's missed, he's going to get paid those dollars in free agency. <laughs> he's going to make about six mil just because of what he's been able to produce next to Artemi Panarin. I think teams are comfortable knowing Ryan Strom is what he is. But if you put him next to an elite player or an elite playmaker, he's going to get work done. So Strom earned himself a nice payday. It's probably not going to come from the New York Rangers. Can I give you a my my Ryan Strom fit prediction? Yeah. Vegas. Ooh, I was I was actually thinking somewhere else, so I was going to make a guess. I was going to say Vegas, to... Florida or Boston. Okay. I don't hate the fits. I mean, Ryan Strom is the type of player you put him you put him next to somebody elite and he's going to be elite. That and that's I think a lot of teams are cognizant of that, but they'll pay for it anyway because he is elite if he's next to elite. And if you yeah, believe exactly. you have elite, you're gonna pay a guy like Ryan Strom. I think Maybe Ed, just how, about, how about Edmonton? Shoot. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not gonna have a Vander Kane back as of right now for next season. Which there's That's a gonna lot. be an interesting a lot going on there. We'll we'll discuss more as, as more kind of comes out about might that. Might require like its own hour on there might really be a, what might like, happen. Uh a legal yeah, like he might he might still yeah. be on the San Jose Sharks despite being yeah, on the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. Exactly. TLDR. Correct. Correct. Yeah, he might be on the Sharks and the Oilers. To a uh, long story, didn't read. Um, but yeah, I like the fit in Edmonton. Although I think it might be a little redundant with Ryan Nugent Hopkins there, um, despite Fair. the fact that Ryan Strom was in Edmonton for a little bit. And I just think there's there's a lot of places for Ryan Strom. I just don't think it's in New York with the way they want to build that team. Last thing I'll say on the New York Rangers with the Capo Caco thing, I expect Capo Caco to be back with the New York Rangers. Don't see why not. Did fire off a tweet, though, when he was announced out in Game 6 that basically I had said this. If you don't think that Capo Caco is ever going to turn into that top, top guy, why wouldn't you kick down the door and entertain it a Patrick Kane deal? Because Patrick Kane's on his last year of his contract, and if they retain 50%, it's $5.5 million and it's more than affordable for the New York Rangers. Because according to Mark and Fairport, he's going to Buffalo. Well, <laughs> shouts to Mark and Fairport. Um, shouts to Mark and Fairport. Uh, hide well, your taxi cabs. Uh, one last thing on the oh gosh, 
One last thing on the Rangers. Uh, Vitaly Kravtsov. Yep. I'm back. I'm back. Why is he back? To what extent? Uh, I uh, don't even know. One 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 way deal, which he yeah. got what he wanted. Eight hundred and something thousand. He's cheap. Is that a sign and trade like the NBA traditionally does? According to Elliot Friedman, no. He wanted to come back to the to New York. Um. So what what has he been doing the last year? He hasn't like just been kind of dangling and yeah, and, and that's what's the going thing. He hasn't. That? You know, I'm not going to beat up on the kid, but. He hasn't exactly went home and torn it up like he had the previously fair, yeah. in Russia. Like he hasn't been playing well in the KHL well enough. So he's gonna have to come back and earn it. That's why you get paid nine hundred twenty-five K on a rookie deal and he's only getting eight seventy five now. He didn't earn a single penny more. In fact, he lost, you know, a couple bucks. He lost fifty K. Part of to a situation, but part of it is I don't think any team really knows what they have in Vitaly Kravtsov until he comes back and proves it. The one way deal thing, like you mentioned, is huge. For whether he stays in New York or goes somewhere else, he, he's not waivers exempt. So he's going to have to be put on waivers. He's going to be playing in the National Hockey League. Unless he totally to busts yeah. out. And then he yeah. should know at that point that he doesn't deserve to be in the, be in the National Hockey League. That feels like a, a Dan Milstein went to him and said, hey, your chance is running out. Like, quit the, you had a year of, of bullshit. We're done with the bullshit. Take a contract and go prove it. And Dan Milstein's a great agent, represents many Russian players in the Fantastic. League, and agent. I wouldn't doubt that that conversation happened because he did switch his representation to Dan Milstein halfway through the season last year. Made sense, made sense. Uh, let's wrap up with a couple rapid-fire topics, NRD. First, a couple Buffalo things. Uh, thoughts and prayers to Kim Pagula, mm-hmm. who is hospitalized in Boca Raton uh, for an undisclosed issue. I'm not even going to try to speculate on it because I don't know anything. So just hoping that, you know, I, I give the Pagulas a lot of shit, obviously, for hockey. I Outside of the rink, I am all for the Pagula family. I, I appreciate what they've done for the city of Buffalo. They've spent a lot of money. They've put a lot of resources and time into what they're doing with the Bills and the Sabres, obviously. I don't agree with a lot of their decisions. I'm never going to root for somebody's health to be in decline. So looking out for Kim Pagula, I hope she... Is able to return um, 100%, and uh, we'll just kind of go from there on it. Just mm-hmm. monitor the situation. But hoping that she returns to form as soon as possible. Um, second Buffalo thing I have is I put out a blog the other day on our D that uh, I think boneless wings are better than uh, bone-in Buffalo wings. And the uh, the internet is mad at me, which is their, their opinion, but their opinion's wrong. But... Uh, but boneless wings are better than buffalo wings, or boneless wings are better than bone-in wings, excuse me. And uh, that's just a, that's just a fact. I get their argument. They're saying boneless wings are not even wings. They're just chicken nuggets. I mentioned that in my article, that they're basically chicken nuggets with a high school diploma. They're just a, if you give me the option on a menu where they say bone-in or boneless, I'm going to get the boneless. That's how That's what it comes down to for very specific reasons that you can read the blog. I read the blog. I encourage others to read the blog. I might, I think I retweeted the blog. Maybe I'll retweet the blog if I haven't already. I'm afraid to give you my opinion because I think this is a work, Brett. Oh, okay. I think you're trying to weed out the the non-authentic Buffalo Wing fans out there and then pull the bait and switch on them and say, see, I told you so. You all are losers. I like bone and wings this whole time. So I am going to respectfully decline to give my opinion on the subject matter. Interesting. Because okay. on this only, I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. 
Well, no, you you know how you can? You know how you can? I mentioned in the article that I like ranch more than blue cheese as a that's dressing. Not, that's not a bad take. But that is anti-Buffalo. If if I said that in the city limits of Buffalo, I would be put on a steak. See, not, I, not a good one, not a filet. Maybe because I'm not familiar with Buffalo, but that's never been a question to me. Ranch is vastly superior with wings to blue cheese. I, right. I, in I, any you know what? I, I'm not, I'll hold on to say vastly. It is superior, but... Give me ranch over blue cheese, and that's just an anti-Buffalo statement, anti-Rochester statement. I am purely Western New York. Everybody knows this. That's something I disagree with. That's, a, that's just as easy as that. Okay. Preference. So maybe you're, maybe you're not lying, but um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm going to write another when, blog. Like, you suckers. Have, yeah, when we have uh, when NRD comes to town for Wash Fest, we'll, uh might put you in a precarious situation where you're going to have to eat some bone, bone-in wings. And we'll see what happens there. I'll tell you what, the Austin wing scene is not. Uh, and you know what? To your point, to your credit, maybe that's part of the reason too. Yeah, there's some, and I'll, there's some really good wings out there. I, and I even said, I said, I will dabble if I'm in the mood. Get a little primal with it. Rip some meat off a bone. But if I'm just at lunch, having played golf or whatever, give me the boneless. Uh, one thing you did agree with me on, though, is my my chip draft. I did. Washed media circling back. Uh, we did a chip draft, basically a snake draft. Your top five, top four chips. Um, I went Ruffles all dressed, obviously. Um, Utz sour cream and onion ridges, Cape Cod, salt and vinegar, and a classic nacho cheese Doritos. NRD. You said that was that's about as perfect as a draft can get. Yeah, that's like it's like having three first round picks in a row and not screwing it up, Boston. Um, you. Right, you're on a roll today. You're on a roll today. Two, listen, I'm not saying we should take a hiatus ever because I enjoy doing this with you, Brett. But when we do take the hiatus, I, I, I ruminate for a couple couple of days longer. I get the flow starts coming back. So has been a good episode for you, boy. Um, I do agree with the chip take fan. You know, odds sour cream and onion ridges are probably the best sour cream and onion chips on the planet. Maybe the best chips on the planet. Would have wow. had them higher up the, the draft board than you, but you still took them. So, hey, kudos oh, to you the, for finding value I had in the to, second Well, round. I had to get Ruffles all dressed. Yeah. Like, the second overall pick, you can't let – like, that's a generational talent. Yeah. So, uh, kudos to you. You found value in the second round. Um, Thank you. Salt and vinegar chips are great. Doritos nacho cheese, absolute classic. How can you go not, wrong? Not only do I have potentially the best chip of each category, I built a good team. Yeah. I mean – I, there, I'm not loading up on sour cream and onion. I'm not loading up on barbecue. I'm not loading up on salt and vinegar, jalapeno. I, I have a I have a balanced team and talent. You had, the board. The only the only chip that wasn't there that you know I was a big fan of. You know, Will took the the Zaps Voodoo chips. A great pick, great pick. Which which is a great pick, and I respect that. But you know, in terms of the circling back chip draft, by the way, circling back. I know we are a wash podcast. I don't say it enough. I do, you know. As not a washed employee myself, I don't think there's any secret there. I do listen to the Wash podcast, so if you don't give them a listen because they're fantastic, I'm not just saying that because we have this show on their network. Um, but part of the chip draft, I think you crushed it. Thank you. Did we? What, what did we miss? I don't think you missed anything. There's nothing. There's no chip that hasn't been discovered. I think when you start to get into you know big chip, you talk about like the kettle cook brand with like their seven thousand mm-hmm. flavors, all of the flavors in the world. Yeah, they like every they got like peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> pepperoncini, like every damn flavor that you could think of. They have a chip for it. So, 
I think they, it, it's hard to it's hard to not miss. But there are some good flavors there in the kettle brand. Fair enough. Last thing for this week, NRD, the U.S. Open from lovely Brookline, Massachusetts, and the Country Club kicks off tomorrow with the earliest tee times I've ever seen. I think that's because the field is gigantic. Uh, I believe there's guys teeing off at like 7, 10 in the morning Eastern, which is normal if you are like a scrub playing in the Masters on a, an exemption. You hit the Thursday at 7 a.m. tee time. No, 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 Jordan Spieth. You better be ready, ready to go at 730. Uh, who do you like this weekend? NRD bet style. So we've had some success on this podcast with the golf bet. Just a bit. Just a bit. Shouts to Scotty Scheffler. Thank you. Um, I am heavy, heavy, heavy on Willie Z to be in the top five, top 10, top 20. Ladder them how you feel you need to do so to win some cash. Um, I don't know if he's good enough to get it done because he putts with the hands of one of those like chattering teeth toys. So... Not a My great dude putter. just is an absolute figure eight putter like myself, and I, I respect it. Just atrocious. I mean, if you if you saw his hands moving while you're putting, you'd think he'd be putting in the Antarctic, uh, the Arctic Circle, just with how much he <laughs> shakes, taking that putter back. So not necessarily a biggest fan of him to win, but he's been in contention in these last couple of majors, so give me Willie Z there. Top five, top ten, top twenty. In terms of outright, outright winners, Sprinkle here or there, whatever you feel like. I think Rory's got a great shot. I like Rory's comments about going after Live Golf. And I think Rory sees a pathway to become the next Phil or Tiger, the loved veteran guy on tour. So He's, he's rocking some uh, some salt and pepper too. Yeah, Rory. He really I, I think Rory, it. yeah, I think Rory sees a void and he wants to fill that void. And I think a great start would be to win a U.S. Open. Any truth to the rumor that Live Golf has potentially secured uh, NRD as their golf insider? So, morally, I don't know if I could ever join the Live Golf organization. <laughs> but financially, if they wanted to slap a cool $400 million in my face, I'd have a hard time saying no. That's yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to take uh, – I, I, I scattered across the board. Let me tell you, I, I went Rory, Chalk, Rom, Chalk. Um, but I love Matt Fitzpatrick this week. Keeps the ball in the fairway. Good ball striker afterwards, too. Second shot golf course, especially if you're in the fairway. Matt Fitzpatrick. I think the they only, got him at plus, plus 3,000. The only guy Frankie Borelli could take in a fight. Shots to Borelli's. With Zalatoris, too. Zalatoris, Frankie Borelli, and uh, Matt Fitzpatrick in an all, like, no holds barred cage match. I don't know who wins. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to Frankie. I'll give it to Frankie. Shouts to Frankie Pirelli. NRD, that'll do it for us this week. Anything else before we bounce? Um, no, that's it for me. I think it's a good one this week. We'll be back. We'll be back for a second episode this week. I'm excited. Lots of uh, lots of stuff. Hope you hope you enjoy the uh, show today. I know the Flyers fans were, you know, breaking down my door for uh, <laughs> for that scoop. Hopefully, it's worth your while. And again, shouts to Anthony Sanfilippo on the reporting there. It does great work, and I would encourage you to go read his article. I just put it out as of recording this on my account. So. There you go. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, we'll see you probably Friday. It's kind of the plan here. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman. That's NRD at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. He's not going anywhere, folks. See you guys uh some point this week. See you.